Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardish. Join me today, as always, none other than PFS finest, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, talking Minnesota Vikings today. How are you, my man? Oh, man, I'm good. Like, I'm I'm excited about this offense. Uh, you know, Justin Jefferson, uh, Dalvin Cook, your favorite, Ian, Irv Smith, Kirk Cousins. Like, man, this is a, I will say this. Every time I target this team in drafts and I start, you know, anytime you're on Twitter, it's like, man, I love the Kirk Cousins stacks. They're just so easy. They're so easy. Every time I draft Justin Jefferson, like for whatever reason, somebody takes Kirk Cousins like 18 picks too soon. <laughs> and I never get to pair him with I have one time that I've got to actually pair Justin Jefferson in like six drafts with Kirk Cousins. It's funny. All right, I can't go any longer in this podcast without addressing the elephant in the room. Can we stop with the Cooper Cup roll for Justin Jefferson? A consensus top five wide receiver in the league already? Like, it's, first of all, an insult to Cooper Cup to pretend like he just scored the most fantasy football points in a single season ever because of a roll? Because of his, how about putting some respect on Cooper Cup's freaking name, first of all? And Jefferson, he just had 1,600 freaking yards. What more do you people want? That It's the most tired storyline I've heard of maybe the entire offseason, Dwayne. I don't get it. It's pissing me off. Like, really? <laughs> we, we we think a Cooper Cup role is going to, what, elevate? Justin Jefferson just maybe had the best start to an NFL career ever for a wide receiver. And we're talking about a Cooper Cup role? Can you explain this to me, Dwayne? Is it just people want, what, he'll play a few more snaps in the slot or we'll show the two highlights of Cooper Cup working as a running back? Like, is that what it comes down to? Yeah, because the Cooper Cup role every single year with the Rams scored 400 fantasy points. It's just the role. Just the role, you know? man. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know why people do this stuff. It doesn't matter. Justin Jefferson, you know, should be your number one wide receiver or at a minimum your wide receiver two on your board, in my opinion. Um, it doesn't really matter where he plays. I don't, Dwayne, if you were coaching the Vikings offense this year, like Jefferson's rank wouldn't change. Like, I guess that's the part that annoys me. Like, yeah. we're, we're literally talking about Jefferson going from probably the wide receiver two to maybe the wide receiver one. Like that's a one spot difference. Maybe, which I don't subscribe to is uh, the difference is a uh, quote unquote Cooper cup role. Let's give Adam Thielen the Cooper cup role. Like that would interest me because we've seen um, veteran wide receivers that get to play in the slot, actually be able to prolong their careers. Like we've seen it with Reggie Wayne. We've seen it with Larry Fitzgerald. We saw it with Heinz Ward back in the day. You know, if you can get in the right scheme, you know, you're a savvy vet, you know how, you know, the coverage is work it can help you and so like with a guy like Thielen who's going to be 32 years old like that's the much better conversation in my opinion um you know it's definitely I think something that we want to track um but like we don't need it to be Justin Jefferson give it to one of the dudes like we think it might actually help boost them to your point for Justin Jefferson it doesn't matter he's going to be a top two receiver no matter what dude had 167 targets last year like yeah cup had 191 i agree more targets the better for everyone but but, but that's uh, not just because of the role he played yes. you know cup, cup had a season of all seasons right i mean it, sometimes it happens when you're really good at football which cooper cup is um and you play long enough eventually you get a chance to have one of these you know just to the moon type seasons it happens at quarterback happens at running back happens at receiver happens at every position but the key is just being a good player if you're a good player and you get to play, you know, enough years healthy, you know, hopefully eventually you get to have that year where everything breaks right for you from an efficiency standpoint and you, you know, you can just crush fantasy. And that's what happened for Cooper, what happened for Cooper Cup. And no matter what role Justin Jefferson plays in, that's in the cards for a guy that's already been a wide receiver one, both of his two first seasons in the NFL. Okay, Dwayne, now that we've broken the ice. <laughs> now that we just did that all up front. <laughs> now, now, now that we've gone over some, you know, current news and uh, local personal. I figured you are going with Baker. <laughs> <laughs> Elephant in the room. And no, it's it's the slot role for Justin Jefferson. Just every day I wake up, I'm more and more mad about uh, this ordeal. But okay, everyone, we'll try to get back on track here to our usual team preview format. <laughs> Roster changes, coaching, coaching changes. Then we'll go through quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end all the nitty-gritty stuff in there. So, Dwayne, yes, there is a new man running the offense in Minnesota. He is Kevin O'Connell, former offensive coordinator for Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams. He is joined by new Vikings offensive coordinator Wes Phillips, who is right there alongside O'Connell, both in Los Angeles, as well as when he worked for Jay Gruden in Washington from 2017 through 2019. So, one of these situations, we see this with you know the coaches that come from McVay, Shanahan, now even Matt LaFleur. It's tough to tell how much of the offense they were doing was actually their job as the offensive coordinator and how much was their head coach who continues to call the plays. 
working under the assumption, which again, not 100% good assumption necessarily, but working under the assumption that O'Connell's offense will resemble what McVay was doing with the Rams, should be able to see a more pass-balanced offense that is going to hopefully have an emphasis on pace and try and do a lot of little things right. So from 2017 and 2021, Rams ranks in pass play rate and non-garbage time situations. 23rd, 21st, 13th, 22nd, most recently 15th. Pace-wise, though, courtesy of Football Outsiders, 1st, 3rd, 3rd, 12th, most recently 4th. But, Dwayne, I think it's the, again, the little things here that could really help Kirk Cousins and all these guys improve upon, let's face it, already pretty good efficiency. You look at the Rams since 2017, 1st in play action rate, 7th in screen rate, 8th in shift slash motion percentage, like, there's a reason why McVay has not led a Rams offense that has finished lower than 11th in yards and 2020, the really bad year of golf, only time they were outside the top 11 scoring offenses. So more of a pass first approach, hopefully a higher pace than what we saw in Minnesota, and maybe just maybe join some heightened efficiency just by, again, making life a little bit harder on the defenses in terms of knowing what to expect. Yeah, overall, though, I just don't think it's going to be very different from what we saw in 2021 for the Vikings, right? You know, they were 16th in the league in plays and uh, non-overtime plays since we don't you know, project overtime. Um, if you look at the Rams last year, they were 18th. So, yeah, the Rams in the two years before were third and eighth. To your point, um, you know, in the neutral games, we do see the Rams throw a little bit more. But at the end of the day, like the offenses were actually really similar to one another. The biggest difference I noticed when I was studying, you know, the two schemes is just there's just a lot more 11 personnel used right in the Rams. So you're going to be out there in three wides instead of using the heavier personnel groupings um, that we saw sometimes with the Vikings, you know, under uh, Kubiak Jr. Um, over the last couple of seasons. But overall, like I think the pace will be pretty close and I think the pass run splits will be pretty close. In fact, like last year, the Vikings were 61-39. The Rams were 61-39. Drop, drop backs versus, you know, rushing plays. So I think there could be a little bit of extra efficiency, but it's not something I'm getting carried away with, right? I think overall this offense will be pretty similar, which I like it. I think the Ram, I think the Vikings have sneaky, like top five upside offense, just because when I look at the roster, if Adam Thielen can hold it together and you already have, you know, an alpha receiver in Justin Jefferson, and then either Irv Smith emerges or they find a way to utilize Dalvin Cook, you know, more in the passing game, or maybe both of those things happen, then I think you could be talking about a really good offense. And if you look at the Vikings, the other thing I like about them is they've spent a lot of draft capital over the last four or five years on, you know, first and second round offensive linemen. You know, so I think that's always good for your quarterback. That's always good, you know, for your running back. Yes, sometimes it can be overrated. Yes, sometimes it can be tough to decipher, like, how big of an impact that has on fantasy. But I think we can all agree, like, having a better offensive line is better than not having a good offensive line. So those are some of the things that when I was looking at the Vikings, um, it wasn't so much O'Connell, and I like him, but it was just, and again, some of the things you mentioned that he does before the snap, I always love that. I think that's what every coordinator should be doing if they're not doing it, and they're just purely depending on their quarterback for everything. I'm kind of like, well, what's your job? What are you doing? So I think you will get some of that. But at the end of the day, like there was a lot of play action last year with Minnesota. They used a lot of motion, pre-shift kind of stuff. Um, so I think overall, though, the biggest thing is we can expect to see more three wide receiver sets. So that opens up some potential value for some guys we'll talk about later, like a KJ Osborne. To Dwayne's point, Rams first in percentage of dropbacks with at least three wide receivers on the field last season. Vikings a distant 26. And yes, that offensive line, I mean, obviously should benefit everyone involved in the offense. Now, PFF only ranked the Vikings offensive line as the 19th best unit in the league entering 2022. But PFS Mike Renner did note this could sneakily be the best offensive line of quarterback Kirk Cousins Vikings career. So even looking at the offense last year, man, Dwayne, you know, obviously Dalvin Cook always seems to be a little bit banged up, you know, one week or another. The had one of his down years in terms of availability. KJ Osborne, I think, stood you know stood up and did some good things, but they lost Irv Smith before the season started. I mean, Kirk, when you have Justin Jefferson out there, it's tough to say like you know anything bad about the weapons, but at least from a depth perspective, really didn't have a lot of help behind it. So they stay more healthy this year could mean a lot more good things for the offense. Looking through some of the notable offseason moves, nothing too much here, but running back Wayne Gallman, who was briefly, briefly on the squad, remains an unrestricted free agent, as the wide receiver D.D. Westbrook, who briefly was out there as the offense's number three receiver, longtime Viking slot receiver Chad Beebe, son of Don. He is actually now a member of the Texans. Albert Wilson did come in to seemingly help replace some of the uh, kick returning and punt returning prowess left behind by D.D. Westbrook, just a one-year $1.12 million deal with the Vikings. 
A tight end, Dwayne, is where it's interesting because Tyler Conklin, the full-time starter in 2021 after Irv Smith went down, surprisingly steep three-year $20 million contract with the New York Jets. I was surprised when they signed him because they already had CJ Uzoma, but whatever, he's out of the picture, as is Chris Herndon and Luke Stalker, both unrestricted free agents. The only guy the Vikings brought back in was Johnny Munt. And it's honestly ideal because Johnny Munt has played with the Rams and O'Connell over the years. The guy has just 13 targets in 47 games. So I think the big takeaway from all this, Dwayne, is that Irv Smith, the big competition, the, you know, throughout the offseason, we've been, we talked freaking 365 days a year, basically. So when the season ended, we were looking at this offense and we were saying, okay, Irv Smith's going to come back. What about Conklin? What a, we don't have to really worry about Herndon, unfortunately, but what about Conklin? He leaves. Okay, who are they going to bring in to replace him? Oh, a strictly block first player in Johnny Munt. Okay, what are they going to do in the draft with it? Okay, South Carolina tight end Nick Muse in the seventh round. Irv Smith has been one of the bigger winners of the entire offseason. And, you know, Dwayne, I'm happy we've been on it from the beginning because now he's finally being treated like it in terms of ADP. Yeah, he is starting to move up now and kind of separate himself. It's almost like, you know, once you get past like all the tier one tight ends, which if people want to hear us just drone on about that, they can listen to yesterday's episode. I think we talked about tight ends for like 20 minutes or something. Um, but after you get past that, Zach Ertz, like I think, you know, there's a few guys there that you really want to target. And Irv Smith has just firmly moved his way up into that group. And I think if you want to name them off, like it is Irv Smith, Albert O. Dawson Knox, like none of them have a perfect profile, right? But all of them have elements you could like about them and they play in offenses that we like. Yeah. So I think that's really, you know, once you get past that first, you know, the tier one, which stops at like tight end nine at Zach Ertz, like you, you could make an argument that Irv Smith should be the first one, right? To go right after that. Now he hasn't done a lot yet in his career, but again, it takes tight ends longer, man. It takes tight ends longer to break out. So I don't know why we get so worked up about it. And he missed, you know, last season, all of it, you know, with an injury. So it's not like we've, we don't even have three years to look at. We only have the two years before that. So he's got the second round capital and that's enough for me in an offense where, you know, with Adam Thielen showing a little bit of signs, right. Of wear and tear, like there's a case to be made. Irv Smith could actually be the second target in the offense. And when he was missing out on time early in his career, first of all, to your point, this is very common with the tight end position. And like, it was Kyle Rudolph there, a longtime veteran on the team that wasn't going to go anywhere. And the fact Irv pushed him for as much reps as he did, I thought was impressive. Despite all this, Dwayne, again, two years of experience he missed last year. Irv Smith, only 77 days older than one Pat Fryermas. So really should not be, you know, looking at Irv Smith as this kind of veteran, you know, type of guy, which even though he's been in the league this long, truly still one of the younger upside tight ends at the position. But yeah, can't, you know, this Chris Herndon thing just sucks, Dwayne. I continue to hold on to a little bit. Like, I'm not drafting him. God forbid. I'm not that freaking stupid these days. But I hope for the best for the guy. And I go on the Google News the other day. I type in Chris Herndon, just maybe hoping to get an update on it and the top of the google news is from like heavy.com or something and it literally was only talking about chris herndon because they pulled my tweet saying like that he should go to the buccaneers to make up for rob gronkowski so i am truly the only one that cares about this Dwayne. like that was my uh takeaway here i'm on vacation at the beach i wanted to see what was going on with chris herndon i got that slap in the face like come on hey look Ian, I'm, I actually may just start drafting Chris Herndon. Like your <laughs> your track record is pretty good here lately. You know, we got we got the Duke Johnson late last season. Obviously, the big hit was you know Corderell Patterson. Um, you know, I wish you would have like just goaded me more last year about taking Corderell Patterson. I don't know where that advice was in the preseason, but I appreciate it a lot. Thanks for not giving it to me, or or, or not slapping me in the face and saying, Dwayne, empty your fab dollars on Corderell Patterson. You know, come on, come on, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> never admit you're wrong if the timeline goes long enough uh you never know what can happen <laughs> th th that was also an odd and tape point but okay let's stick yes. on the topic oh just by the way north carolina running back ty chandler fifth round pick michigan state wide receiver jalen naylor sixth round pick that concludes our roster turnover obviously not expecting much from them in these crowded running back and wide receivers rooms talking about kirk cousins Better at football than he gets credit for. Again, there's just this phenomenon where if you're not like a top 10 quarterback, it's just really tough for people to ever give you the benefit of the doubt. I understand Vikings fans, especially given the money they pay for Kirk Cousins, not having, you know, the over overwhelming success for what's a lot of times during his tenure, I think been one of the better overall rosters in the league. You can understand why they haven't been thrilled. Defense has fallen off. Offensive line hasn't been great. So more recent history, maybe criticism, not quite as valid, but 
That's how I feel with guys like Wentz, Cousins, Baker. If you're a Vikings fan, you're just upset about the wins and losses. That's fine. But man, there really aren't that many better quarterbacks on the planet. Regardless, man, PFF passing grade since he joined the Vikings in 2018. Sixth among 60 qualified quarterbacks. QB rating, sixth. Big time throw rate tied for 21st down there a little bit. But turnover worthy play rate, ninth. Yards per attempt, 14th. Adjusted completion rate, third. I mean, Dwayne, how come? Why? Couldn't Kirk Cousins make a similar leap as what Matthew Stafford did last year? And honestly, playing kind of, I think we saw both guys kind of put these sort of efficiency numbers forward. Cousins, honestly, a little bit better than Stafford. If we can all of a sudden get a career high passing volume for Cousins, which seems to be potentially on the table, why couldn't he really make this step forward from, I guess, a better real life quarterback than fantasy quarterback into someone who's putting up the sort of passing counter numbers that we really want to get on the squad? Yeah, I think the bigger upside is honestly efficiency. I, I don't think they're going to try to throw the ball that much more, um, like I mentioned earlier. But I think, you know, potentially with the scheme, maybe we unlock some additional efficiency, you know, for Kirk Cousins. And I think th that's just really what we're waiting on. Like with for me with Cousins, it's pretty easy. Um, you know, like when you look at him, it's just hard. You know, I, I get it. I know the narrative that folks have to have around Cousins. But whenever you look at the his fantasy finishes, like he's inside the top 12, like almost every year, Ian. You know, I mean, every single year. And if you look last year in 16 games, Joe Burrow scored 319 fantasy points or sorry, 330. And Kirk Cousins in 16 games scored 311. That's a difference of less than of right at one point per game, um, you know, between the two. And you get Kirk Cousins in round 10 or 11 right now and best ball. And you have to take Joe Burrow right now in round six or round seven. So like it's just it's one of these cheats that we get every year in fantasy football because of the narrative around Kirk Cousins. What's funny is most people can usually see, you know, uh, oh, fine, the player's not good, you know, at real football, but they're good at fantasy. But for, for whatever reason, people can't just admit that Kirk Cousins is actually good at fantasy football. Um, and pretty much every year when you draft him, you're going to get a top 12 guy. Back-to-back -back QB 12 finishes and fantasy points per game. I think the better question, Dwayne, is like, do we really want to go on a limb for Cousins? Do we see there actually being a higher ceiling? Because we have him in that tier with Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers. I would put those guys slightly ahead of Cousins. I have him one spot ahead of Derek Carr. I think Jameis Winston, you could argue, is at the bottom of that tier or maybe in a new one. But what about Justin Fields? Because I understand Stafford, Rodgers, Carr, Cousins, it's a nice tier. They fit nice. But which one between Cousins and Fields do we think actually has a chance of finishing in the top five? I kind of lean towards Justin Fields thanks to that sweet, sweet rushing upside. Now, I understand we want to make our tiers and it's nice cut and dry without having the dual threat guy in there. But just out of, you know, compared Cousins versus Carr versus Fields, I want the guy that's still going to be able to run the ball. Am I wrong for thinking that? Um, I think it's fine. I agree that it's the upside. It's all about your roster construction. If you started off you know, with Trey Lance, then I love coming back with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. I mean, you could make an argument that you just go with both of them, right? Lance and Fields. But, you know, if if Kirk Cousins is my first quarterback that I get and I'm just playing the ADP game, you know, that's the other thing going on with these tiers, then I'd love turning around and, and adding Justin Fields. Like, I like pairing those two types of quarterbacks together. So, um, to me, Cousins um, and Carr and Stafford, they're all arbitrage plays on Tom Brady. And, you know, Joe Burrow, like they could score just as many fantasy points as those guys. They play in quality offenses. Aaron Rodgers is in there, too, just because he's an elite quarterback. We talked about him yesterday, though. I mean, it's just like the, the weapons scare me more with Rodgers. But I could easily see Carr, you know, or Cousins finishing, you know, in the top seven or eight. But if, yeah, you're looking for that chance to have the top four, top five upside, I do think that Justin Fields, you know, is the pick. But that's also what the tiers are about. It's not it's not just straight up about rankings. That's honestly always the tricky part, like about the tiers. It's because what I want to give people is the right information. They're like these four players are really similar. They shouldn't be going that far apart, right? So, you know, if you can get a value on one of them, that's great. And oh, by the way, they're similar to these four above. Whereas I think once you get past Jalen Hurts and, and you know, um, Lamar Jackson, you know, as far as those, you know, the running you know, quarterbacks that go in the top six rounds of drafts. I think your next two shots are Trey Lance and Justin Fields. And I think, you know, Trey Lance, because he's got the better weapons around him. We like the scheme better with Shanahan. That's why I rank him at 11. Then you come back with, you know, the, the guys that are more arbitrage plays on Burrow, Brady, and those guys, which has Kirk Cousins in it. And then the next tier is a tier of its own with Justin Fields. So 
look, I like all of those players and I like mixing them, especially in best ball. If you're in a redraft league and you only want to draft one quarterback, um, you know, you're, you may, you may not take the strategy that I just talked about, but in best ball, I loved, I love drafting two out of that group of Lance Stafford, Rogers, Carr, cousins, and fields. Like I, I'll, I do it a lot. We are going to start transitioning to more of a strict, you know, we'll, we'll always talk a little best ball here, but particularly as we get in the more late July. It's funny. August. Hey, it's early July and everybody wants to talk about best ball. We're going to move on to redraft. <laughs> As we get going through, no, I just want to keep both in mind. I know, I'm messing with you. Ian. I hear you. Looking at it, let's look at it from a redraft perspective, though. Like, I wouldn't feel good about Kirk Cousins being my one only quarterback. I would kind of feel the need to maybe get him in fields or him in Stafford just to have like another option there. Where, do you have a line you kind of drawing in terms of redraft? Because I'm, we talked about this at tight end a little bit. Like, I'm fine playing the waiver wire game with my second quarterback. In a traditional one quarterback redraft league, I don't think you necessarily need to draft one a lot if you feel good about the guy. Is that about a Trey Lance? Like to me, it's the Stafford, Rogers, Cousins. Like that's the tier where I would want to roster two quarterbacks in redraft. Yeah, but if people are asking me what's the latest I can get a starting quarterback, like depending on how you're building the rest of your roster, it's this tier. It is this tier. And I think with just, plus Justin Fields, right? That Fields is a little shakier, but you're still going to get the upside. Like I would not want to go into the season with, with my QB1 as Tua, Lawrence, Winston, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Jared Goff. Would not want to have any of those guys as my QB1, right? But I could stomach, I could stomach Cousins, Carr, Rogers, Stafford if it's because all this other value is falling to me, you know, at other positions and I'm just setting there loading up. I'm like, okay, great. Like if you guys are going to let me have this back, you're going to let me have this receiver. You're going to let me have this tight end. Oh, you're going to give me this back now. Like I'm going to continue to prioritize those things as they fall to me. And if that means, you know, waiting to take someone like a Stafford Rogers car or cousins, I'm okay. But in most builds, if you're in a sharper league where you're not getting all that kind of value following falling to you, I'm with you. I would prefer to have one of the other quarterbacks like my my three most drafted quarterbacks and they're all at 30 percent plus. Um, you know, they're all between 30 and 35 percent. You know, number one, who is it? Uh, oh, um, Kyler, Kyler. I was like, man, Ian, we've been talking about this for a month. Yes, Kyler Murray's my number one. Absolutely easy. Then my next is Russell Wilson, and my next is Derek Carr. So th those are my those are the three that I'm rostering, like pretty much on thirty percent of of my rosters. Um, so once you get, but two of those right are in that top tier. Um, and and Carr, almost every time I get him is as my QB two. Um, and I'm just doing the AFC NFC stack thing, you know, where it's like, I got Russell Wilson, I got car, I'm loaded up with Broncos. I'm loaded up with Raiders. I'm loaded up with chargers. You know, I'm just trying to just trying to live my best life, Ian. But yeah, if, if I, if I'm really trying to win a league and a sharp league where I know all this value isn't just going to be falling to me, you know, I'd rather have my starting quarterback come by Dak Prescott, who I have as my QB 10 right now. So that, that tier is Burrow, Brady, Wilson, and Prescott. But if I miss out, then I'm fine with the, with the tier below. Looking ahead to running back. Now we got Dalvin cook, Alexander Madison, Kane Nwanu, freaking seven out there on the kick return squad. Also Ty Chandler sitting there. Maybe we'll make the roster. Maybe we'll not. First thing is first, my God, can not find any legal updates on the Dalvin Cook lawsuit that emerged last November facing charges of battery, assault, and false imprisonment. Of course, Cook also has his opinions on the matter. I am not here to give an opinion on what actually went down, but I did get to talk to Ace Vikings reporter Matthew Collar on his Vikings podcast a couple months ago. Per Matthew, the basically the court case has been extended long enough that we are not expecting this to be finalized in time for a suspension during the 2022 season. Unlike with Alvin Kamara, I am comfortable moving forward under the impression that Dalvin Cook will not be facing a suspension in the year 2022. So I'm taking that off the table. Again, if we get a new report, if we get new information, we will consider that and adjust our opinion as we should always do. But right now, after talking to Matthew, who knows far more about this than I do, he was not worried about it. Therefore, I am not worried about it. And with that said, Dwayne, we're looking at Dalvin Cook, consistently one of the best most fancy friendly running backs in all of the NFL. 
since entering the league in 2017. He has finished as the RB10 in PPR points per game, RB19, most recently RB2, RB2, and RB11 last season. Didn't exactly see another sort of takeover last year that a lot of people were hoping for when they probably had to use a number two overall pick in fantasy to get him, but I wouldn't say that he just completely fell off a cliff or anything. It just seemed like it was one kind of annoying um, injury or COVID situation after another to deal with. So looking ahead to this year, the question is, Dwayne, how high is too high to rank Dalvin Cook? Because I really do think he's you're, you'd be hard-pressed to rank him outside the top six backs. we got Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, Austin Eckler, and Dalvin Cook. I think those are top six. If you disagree, I would love to hear why. But basically, coming into this, I thought about trying to get Cook up to as high as RB2. But man, we're hoping that he starts getting the targets that we're really confident Najee and Eckler and McCaffrey already have. I'm not so sure we can, you know, put him on the same stratosphere as Taylor and Henry, but this is Dalvin Cook, man. It's tough for me because again, we saw him rip off back-to-back RB2 finishes. Why not just throw him up there at RB2? At the end of the day, though, I do continue to have him ranked RB6 because I'm not as convinced he's getting the pass time work as the others. And to be fair, Dr. Edwin Porras, he actually considers Dalvin's ongoing shoulder issues more of a potential long-term injury issue than anything McCaffrey uh, has been dealing with over the years. So thoughts on where Cook ranks in the big six. Yeah, I have him at five now Like I, because I've been working on my ranks and my running back tiers today. I'm about to submit it and turn it in. So, um, it, you know, with the suspension, I'm like you. I pretty much like I'm. I'm not worried about it at this point. You know, based on the information that we have, you know, we'll we'll continue to monitor it. But I just like the Vikings' offense, you know, a lot. <laughs> um, you know, and I liked it last year too. Again, this isn't just a Kevin O'Connell thing, right? I think some of that's getting overblown. And it's like, guys, go look. Like, it's not like the Rams chunk the ball to their to their running backs a lot, right? It's just a matter of like Justin Jefferson's the one, Thielen's the two. Irv Smith's probably the three, but he and Dalvin could kind of be splitting up, you know, a chance for both of them to be between 15 and 18% of the targets. And that's what we would love to see for Dalvin Cook. I mean, the way I look at Cook, um, he's already got a 23% targets per route run season, you know, under his belt. So we know that he can be a, a dynamic playmaker in the passing game and he can demand targets. He's just never been one of these guys that works down the field. I'm not so sure it's because he can't. They just have never asked him to do it, you know, in the scheme. He's been much more of a kind of behind the line of scrimmage, screen pass, swing passes, that kind of thing. But still, like he, he could get to a 13, 15 percent target share you know just in that kind of role and so i i feel really good about cook because of you know the the offense that he plays in we already talked about the offensive line and the biggest thing is what you already mentioned ian i mean we're talking about a player that has registered 21.2 and 24.1 points per game in the two came in the two years leading up to last year where he scored 16 points per game but to your other point, all the injuries, everything he battled. So when you go back and you isolate down to the games where Cook was actually able to finish the games, so I just looked at 65 to 70% of the snaps, and those games he delivered 19.1 fantasy points per game. So a lot closer, right, to the 21.2 and 24.1 that we've thought about. I moved him ahead of Najee Harris. I think it's hard to argue that any running back is if we had to project it today, you know, which well, we're doing, we're a fantasy football podcast. Like who's going to have the most touches at running back in the NFL in the year 2022. I think the odds on favorite is Najee Harris. The problem is the Steelers offense. I think they're going to run less plays this year. Number two, we still, even though Ben's gone and we think maybe that, you know, could be a good thing overall for the efficiency of the offense. Like it, it's still a question, right? How good is Kenny Pickett going to be? How good is Mitchell Trubisky going to be? Those are questions that are outstanding that we don't have to deal with with Dalvin Cook. We know that he has a good quarterback. We know that the offensive line is good. Another challenge that Najee Harris has. We know that Dalvin Cook can deliver explosive big plays. And that was a problem for Najee. So I think once you look at the offense and all the factors and you look at the efficiency and you put those two things together, it's enough for me to move Dalvin Cook one spot ahead of Najee Harris. I've got him at number five now with Najee Harris at six. So my tiers now, um, you know, I had to reshuffle them a little bit. So I've got, you know, upside with questions is tier one C and it has Derrick Henry in it. It has Dalvin Cook and Cook is just a matter of like we what you mentioned with Edwin, like every year we've got to deal with a little bit of this shoulder injury. It seems like, um, you know, he is getting a little bit older. So you he kind of he's he's in that frame, you know, that time period. We know we could see a decline, but it's not like we're super worried about it. Right. He, he should still have one more good 
one more good year left, plays in a good offense. And then below that, I've got really more this kind of, we're just projecting all these guys for big volume, right? Najee Harris, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, you know, not as explosive though as Dalvin Cook. Um, and Cook could have just as much work as all those guys. Like, you know, that's all on the table for him. So yeah, I've moved Cook up. I think I had before this, I had him at like 10. So I moved him up. I moved him up five spots. I think I would actually go with Cook as RB4 and standard and even half point. It's just... For me, that Najee Eckler, you know, legit triple digit target upside. I'm not sure if Cook has that. So full point, I will put him in RB6. That's where he's going over at underdog. Again, I think you'd be really hard pressed removing the legal situation out of it to rank him lower than six. Want to go as high as four, even three. I'm not going to call you a crazy person. Dwayne, the one guy I've soured on as the offseason has gone on is Alexander Madison. And a lot of that did stem from my conversation uh, with Matthew Collar and just the thought that Madison, he really does kind of look like one of these running backs. I think the fantasy community is far more excited about than necessarily the Minnesota Vikings are. I mean, if you just look at his numbers over the year, I mean, team low 3.7 yards per carry last year, just a 61.4 PFF rushing grade. Like, yeah, it, it worked out because he got freaking 32, 32, uh, 25 and uh, 16 touches in his four spot starts. So, but who wouldn't be putting up some decent numbers with that? And I'm not saying Madison's terrible, but man, when I hear Matthew basically saying that he wants nothing to do with Madison because he thinks if a cook injury happens now, it's going to be way more of a split committee between Madison and Kanae it does make me perk up because I do trust Matthew's opinion on the Vikings more than a lot of beat reporters out there. And unlike with a lot of running backs in this area, the Michael Carters, the Melvin Gordons, like those guys are going to actually have a role in their offense. And just based on the history we've seen with O'Connell in LA leaning on one running back. I mean, there was Daryl Henderson in weeks one through 12 last year. He got hurt. Then became the Sony Michelle uh, show Cam Akers briefly. Then when he wasn't getting it done, they finally embraced the committee. But in LA, throughout the really entirety of the McVay tenure, when they have had a good running back, which my God, Dalvin Cook is a great running back, they have not taken him off the field. So Madison, he just seems more priced up, I think, than he should be as a pure handcuff. And honestly, I think there is reason to doubt whether he'll have that same sort of handcuff upside. If everything stays the same, then I get it, man. He's had six spot starts over the last two years. He's finished as the RB 47 dud RB four, RB seven, RB six, RB eight, and RB 13. I do wonder though, if we can see Kane just have enough of an impact though, to be like an annoying version of Amir Abdullah, who was the reason why uh, Madison had that aforementioned RB 47 performance when he couldn't stay on the field on passing down. So, Again, been lowering a little bit on Madison. How do you feel about him, Dwayne? Yeah, and he's been slipping in ADP. I notice on a lot of uh, you know drafts over the last couple of weeks, which I've like done like fifty. A lot of times, Madison will just be hanging there, like fifteen spots past ADP, and that and that's when I've been taking him. Now I'm just like, okay, he's not a player I'm going to take at ADP anymore. Like when I see him slide past her, or once ADP fully adjusts, then I'll do it. And I think you hit it. Uh, all the right notes on it. You know, the big thing for me is like, he can't give you any additional value right on top of, you know, an injury to Dalvin cook. Uh, most likely who knows this coaching staff, they could change things up and use a little bit more of a rotation. I don't think that's going to be the case, but the way I'm looking at the situation is very similar, you know, to what you're saying. So like, for example, I would rather have Isaiah Spiller because I think Isaiah Spiller, if he comes in and he plays well, he's going to see 30 to 40% of the work because they don't really want to overwork Eckler. You know, even though last year he got to a career high 53% of the team's rushing attempts, that's about where they want to keep Eckler, right? And, and Eckler can still be a great RB1 in that role, but that leaves room for Isaiah Spiller, especially like in a best ball format. You throw him on the roster, you know, he has 10 carries one week, you know, scores a touchdown, catches a touchdown, and you get a spike week. You can't get that from Alexander Madison. So um, I've, even, I've got Rashad White, one spot, you know, Two or sorry, two spots ahead of him. I've got Daryl Henderson one spot ahead of him. I was about Shot. to say uh, Henderson's the other one that again Spiller. Like I, I agree with you, he's going around the half later. So is uh, Daryl Henderson right now. It's just Madison when he's priced up like this. No, if he wants to go back and chill like a round and a half, two rounds later, then okay, I can get more behind that. But top forty for a guy that's given us nothing more weeks than not. That's that's steep. Yeah, I mean, I have him at 44 overall. I've got Daryl Henderson, 43, Rashad White, 42, Isaiah Spiller, 41. So I've got all those guys in front of him. I mean, I've got Ramondre Stevenson in front of him. It's, it's, it's just what you said. Even Ronald Jones. Like, these are all guys that they can give a spike week 
Plus, if their lead, if the back goes down, we're in a good situation. And and these are other guys that also play on good offenses, just like he does. So um, there's nothing to really swing things in the favor, you know, of Madison. I think once you get to like Michael Carter and Naheem Hines and Kenneth Gainwell, that's that's where I draw the line. Um, and I'm willing to have Madison right there, you know, with those guys because the Vikings are a lot better offense. The upside of of, of Madison versus a guy like Carter, you could probably argue argue that it's higher. Um, but Carter, you know, is at least going to have the passing down role. So I have those two guys right next to one another. By the way, I mean, you said the guy's name. Has there ever been a running back with more like check marks? We're just trying to say like it's going to work out this way than Ramondre Stevenson. Like, my goodness, man. It's like, all right, James White can't be healthy. Ty Montgomery will get cut. Pierre Strong's just going to take the year off as a rookie. Kevin Harris isn't going to do anything. And then Damian Harris needs to be traded and or just relegated to a backup role. And if those happen, Dwayne, like Ramondre Stevenson's looking like a massive value where he's going and drafts right now. Like I saw the run that didn't count against the Colts. It was great. I saw the 90-yard touchdown in the preseason against a against a bunch of guys that were probably playing in the USF. That was just hitting your gap and running. There was nothing to that play. I thought that was hilarious when Twitter went nuts with that. It's like, hey, have you guys ever seen, like, I think it was a toss play, actually. Have you ever ever seen a toss play perfectly blocked? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Bro, who was the Patriots quarterback uh, within the last year or two had, like, a 90-yard touchdown run or something, like, on a draw in a preseason game? Like, this happens in the fourth quarter of preseason games when you're facing a bunch of guys that aren't going to be out there. Like, but I don't know, Dwayne, uh, our... Our, our own resident ranking expert, Nathan Yonke, he would let off his uh, PFF sleeper piece with Ramondre Stevenson there. I know the fine folks that established the run are also high on Ramondre Stevenson. So, I'm, you know. The, so, Stevenson, the positive is, right? You know, he had the PFF rushing grade of an 81.4. That's that's really good. Um, 23% missed tackles force per attempt. 17% is the league average. You got 3.3 yards after contact. League average is 2.9. 15% explosive attempt rate. So, those are carries of 10 plus yards or more. The league average is 10.5%. So, the argument, I think, is that there is talent for, for you know, Reminder Stevenson has the talent. You know, we know that Damian, Damian Harris is also talented. The rest of the back sh- backfield is all question marks, right? Like Ty Montgomery, I really don't care about. Like the one that bothers me the most, honestly, is they spent a very similar pick on Pierre Strong Jr. We're hearing a lot of a lot of noise out of camp that they're going to be integrating, um, you know, a lot of the wide zone stuff. Like they've mostly been a power team, and that's what Ramondre Stevenson does really well. And so now all of a sudden, if you're going to start running outside zone, like Pierre Strong is probably the best outside zone runner on the team. They've also talked about Pierre Strong as a as a receiving back. Now Stevenson, you know, the positive for him is they they have been working on his receiving game. So maybe there's a chance. Happy because I, I saw that quote it sounded like stevenson said that he's been working on it and like i hope so man like there's only a few things running backs should be working on you can work on your rushing your pass blocking or your receiving like i i have not heard bill belichick or any of these coaches be like we're really well, bill belichick isn't going to tell you that but i mean yeah. the, the, the thing is like with stevenson like his his you know receiving profile wasn't bad you know in college um you know burkhead um, we saw him have a role kind of like that in the Patriots where he's kind of like the jack of all trades, right? You know, you, you back up Damian Harris, you back up James White, you know, you take a third of the carries. So uh, it's just a bet on talent. And with how late you're getting it, like, I, and I'm way underweight on Ramondre Stevenson. I have him on one team, yeah. one team, and I'm up over 60 drafts now. So I'm with you, um, but I, I'm not pushing him way down my board. Um, actually I adjusted him. I moved him a little bit closer to ADP. Um, just because once you get to that range and a lot of these guys we're talking about, um, you know, it's, it's a similar story, but to your point, the problem with, with Stevenson is it's like, you need 50 things to go right. Not just one Ronald Jones. is like, okay, if, if Clyde Edwards, Lair goes down, we know he's not gonna get the passing down row folks. We know that goes to Jarrett McKinnon or whoever, but just one injury unlocks a, a huge upside for Ronald Jones on a really good offense. Right. You know, Isaiah Spiller, one injury you know, does it Rashad white one injury probably does it unless he just stumbles on his face. Darrell Henderson, one injury, you know, does it. And all these guys also get playing time similar to what we're thinking about Stevenson. I think the other case that folks are making for Stevenson is that he just overtakes Damian Harris. That's the thing I just don't see. I I think like, that's just immediately just wanting to push Damian Harris to the side. He's also been a good player. Yeah. And I think the Patriots value Harris more. That's why he was the featured running back ahead of Stevenson last year. And like, okay, it would just, it would mean a lot more to me if 
we hadn't seen Brandon freaking Bolden, a career special teamer who was never even briefly really leaned on in this Patriots backfield. Like we couldn't beat him out for some of that pass down work eventually, man. And even Damian Harris, he played three more games than Stevenson, but Damian Harris had more targets and receptions than Stevenson. Again, it just seems like jumping through a lot of hoops with it. We'll, we'll revisit this soon enough, I'm sure, but just wanted to get that out there because I know Stevenson is kind of becoming one of these like common, like uh, everyone's favorite sleeper. And, you know, Dwayne, as much as I like to think that you and me are covering all of our bases here, I want to make sure that even if we were wrong initially on something, we get the right answer eventually for our lovely listeners out there. So let's get back to the topic, the Minnesota Vikings and the wide receiver room. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, Ola B.C. Johnson, Jalen Naylor, and Amir Smith-Marset. This is an offense that can produce bunches of fantasy-relevant wide receivers. Kirk Cousins joins Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning as the only quarterbacks to produce multiple top 12 PPR wide receivers in the same season on multiple occasions. So you look at these numbers, man. Jefferson, 1,616 yards and 10 touchdowns last year. 1,400 yards as a rookie. Adam Thielen's had touchdown totals of 9, 14, and 10 in his full seasons with Cousins under center. Even Stephon Diggs, like for all the not being used right, disappointment, Dude had 1,100 yards, six touchdowns, and then nine touchdowns on 102 catches in another season. So a lot of just high-counting number seasons for these wide receivers with Cousins under center since just 2018. Obviously, Jefferson looks like the best yet. Number two in PFF receiving grade, third in yards per route run, sixth in yards per reception, 10th in targets per route run since entering the league. Only Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs have averaged more PPR points per game than Justin Jefferson. Dwayne, I believe you have been on the Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup roll. I continued, to, I mean, over Cooper Cup, just ranking in general. I'm just saying Cooper Cup roll now without even realizing it. This is, uh, <laughs> this is my life. This is my life. Um, to me, Justin Jefferson should never be there past number four overall pick, whether you want to put Cup with him, without him. I do think it's 1A, 1B, and then a teardrop off to Jamar Chase just because of the volume at hand. Yeah, I mean, I have Jefferson number one to your point, so... Um, I mean, I've taken him at three, I've taken him at four. Anytime he makes it past four, it's just an auto select and you're salivating. You're just like, God, make it, make it, make it. You know, I think the latest I got him like was early on, like it picked eight or nine. Um, those days are over Ian. those days long are long gone. gone. Uh, yeah. As of like three weeks ago, you couldn't <laughs> do that anymore. So, um, yeah, look, there's nothing really else to say. Like it's an absolute elite profile. He checks every single box, whether you want explosive plays down the field, whether you want yards after the catch, um, you know, can, can win in every way, right? He can win with his route running. He can win, you know, in contested ways. If he needs to, he can beat you over the top. It's just, and he and Kirk cousins, they're just, you know, it's hand and glove kind of thing. So, and, and you look at the target competition, you know, we've got Thielen going into his age 32 season. Yes. We like Irv Smith. We like Dalvin cook, but it's just, a, there's just a clear path for Justin Jefferson to be the absolute, the alpha gets to be the alpha, right? Which is what we always love to see the alpha that actually gets to be the alpha in an offense. And that's what we have with Jefferson. And again, he's Justin Jefferson. We're not going to harp on this. I think we already got a lot of it out of the way, out of the way in the first five minutes of the podcast. But Dwayne, like he's actually averaged more yards per route run at 2.66, lined up on the outside than he has in the slot at 2.55. Both of those are elite. Again, I just think that, you know, when we're trying, when we're wasting this much effort on, Justin Jefferson's role. It's like, it's Justin freaking Jefferson. He's going to have another 1500 yard season, probably go down as one of the more productive receivers of the era. Gotta love that. So let's talk about potentially the more undervalued wide receivers in this offense, Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne. All Thielen does is score touchdowns, 31 touchdowns in 38 games alongside Kirk Cousins, 24 touchdowns in his last 28 games. Only Devontae Adams and Mike Evans have more touchdowns than Adam Thielen. Now, Dwayne, the question is whether he can keep this up. Soon to be 32-year-old veteran has dealt with ankle and hamstring injuries over the past few years. With that said, last two seasons, he is the wide receiver 12 in PPR points per game. Right now going off the board over at Underdog Fantasy as the wide receiver 34. Are you good with that price point? Yeah, I think it's fine. I've, I've started to get a little bit more exposure you know, to Thielen. Um, and usually I do get it past ADP. But I think if you're sitting there, you know, like let's say for you know some of these drafts the way they work out, um, like my favorite here lately is starting with McCaffrey, Barkley making it to you, and then getting Javante Williams or Travis Etienne Ooh. in the third round. Starting with those three running backs, you know, and then you're coming back, you know, in rounds, you know, like round six is typically about where 
you know, Adam Thielen goes and you might be trying to grab your wide receiver two by then. Like it's like, you know, if you started with the three backs and I'm fine with it because he does, he resides in a good offense. Um, I did spend a little bit more time like looking at some of the age decay and and stuff like that. You know, while I, when I was on vacation, some really good stuff by um, Adam Harstead. And like it just basically shows that like even when some of these players have these declining, you know, metrics like the yards per route run, targets per route run, I still think they're good. Like it's good to know that. Like if you're going to make break a tie between two, you know, players um, based on, you know, what you think's going on with their fantasy finish versus what's happening in the underlying data points. Like it's still useful, but at the end of the day, Adam Thielen could still come through with a wide receiver two season. Um, I would love to hear that he's going to get to play, you know, in the slot and play the Cooper cup role, you know, Ian, then we can move into wide receiver one overall. <laughs> um, but you know, he, he's definitely at the age though, 32, like, man, like the, the drop can come really quick, but we've also seen guys, you know, put up a big season and you're in age 32. So the, the thing I do like about Thielen, you know, his explosive play rate. So those are, you know, 15 plus yard receptions dividing by your targets, 26%, which is still really good um, for an older player. His yards after the catch have come down, which we do typically see as players get older and his deep targets have come down, right? He's only at 12%, you know, so he's pretty low there. But to your point, like touchdowns, man, touchdowns per route run, 2.2%. That's the second most in the league behind DK Metcalf. And here's the thing with, with Thielen. It's not just because he's just having these crazy big plays, it's just because he gets targeted a ton once they get down inside the five yard line, or once you're just looking at the end zone targets, you know, for the Vikings. Um, you know, and the, if you just look, you know, at Thielen's profile for the games played, right, and look at, you know, his target share in the end zone for those games and, and get rid of everything else, like it's almost like 50%. It's nuts. <laughs> so, so, so he and he and cousins definitely have something going. Like eventually, like, is, that's got to come down. That's really elite, but still it could come down and it could still, still be really good. Right. Yeah. Like he's probably going to be a 25 to 30%, you know, end zone target, target rate guy, no matter what. I know 32 is like, we're not even talking about 30, like 32. That is more so on the elderly side. I do wonder if this could be similar to playing weight though, where it becomes less of an issue, I guess, in modern day NFL. Like I just, the way science is worse, the way guys are coming back from injuries faster than ever, the way guys aren't getting their heads taken off every time they're going over the middle. Now, I do think that older receivers, just like you know, lighter wide receivers, could actually start to outperform some of the data we have, you know, from 2000 to 2010 and things of that nature. Again, Thielen's 32, so he is really pushing it at this point, but I just don't want to hold it against him more so than other guys. I mean, he has still played in 28 of 33 games over the past two seasons. That's the same amount as Allen Robinson. More games than Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins, Robert Woods, Devontae Parker, Corey Davis, and Kenny Galladay, among others. Like, I get it. Thielen's price above a lot of those guys, but really, man, is there that much of a difference right now between what we're projecting between Allen Robinson and Adam Thielen? Like last year's version of Adam Thielen was much better than Allen Robinson. And if you look at their projected targets, projected quarterback play, talk about an arbitrage uh, potential traffic. You can get a couple rounds later. Yeah, I think Thielen, I think that's a good one. Arbitrage play on a guy like Allen Robinson. I think they're appropriately priced just based, based on the three-year difference, right, and age. Yeah. But to your point, like with where you can get Thielen, yeah, I, I'm fine with it. I've, I've still got Thielen below like where he's going. I've got him at, you know, wide receiver 36. So he's in my top, he's a wide receiver three for me. Um, you know, right now he's going wide receiver 34 on underdog. He's going wide receiver 33. Thanks, Fantasy Mojo over on FFPC. So I mean, I'm right around consensus on him, um, you know, and he's just a guy that I don't mind mixing in. He's not a guy I'm going out of my way to target, but but I can say that about a lot of receivers in this range, Ian. Yeah. Like, I'm not going out of my way to grab Amari Cooper. Um, I'm not going out of my way to grab Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm not going out of my way to, dra to, gra to grab Devonta Smith. Um, not going out of my way to draft Darnell Mooney. I'll draft all of those players, but it's more like I'm mixing them together. Like, the main player I target the most that sits in this tier right now is DeAndre Hopkins, right? I mean, I've got him at 35. His ADP is 39 on FFPC. It's 37 on underdog. And it's really just about trying trying to have, you know, a big hitter in the playoffs, right? When you get him back, you know, he's 30 years old. Um, you know, we've just seen DeAndre Hopkins have the massive target share seasons. So it's like, I know that's still in his range of outcomes. So that's the player I target the most in that range. Um, but again, like just looking across all these guys, I mix a lot of them in and out. And I've been much more open to Thielen lately. 
now KJ Osborne. Again, we mentioned the disparity between having three or more wide receivers on the field between the Rams and the Vikings. And for that reason, man, Rams ranked third in overall targets to wide receivers since 2018. The Vikings rank 20th. KJ Osborne, I think, is someone we should also be a bit ahead of consensus on because he just kind of profiles as one of these guys. I mean, ADP wide receiver 67. If Thielen and Jefferson each play 17 games, I would be kind of surprised if Osborne doesn't beat that. And I think he has the potential to really take a step forward god forbid one of them do miss time to me osborne isn't someone you need to go out of your way for at all again wide receiver 67 adp over an underdog and he really is like a cheaper version of the russell gage the tyler boyd the number three receiver in a good offense that we're expecting to put up all kinds of numbers that he should be a little bit a part of and then with the potential for a lot more i mean it's really risky to handcuff wide receivers with the number four guy. There's only a situation or two in the league. We look to do that. But in terms of expecting a number three two, maybe have the chance to take a step forward if one of the top two options go down, I think it, KJ Osborne really profiles as someone with that opportunity, particularly, again, when you look at the rest of the depth chart of Ola B.C. Johnson, Dylan Naylor, Amir Smith-Marset, there's no one behind him, man. And I like Irv Smith and these running backs as well, but if Thielen is going to be 32 and to continue to get banged up, like if you take Thielen out of the equation here and we just were looking at, you know, a week six game where Osborne's the number two, he'd be someone that is definitely going to be in the top 48 at a minimum. Yeah, I think Osborne's fine late in drafts. I just, I rarely take him unless I have Kirk Cousins. It's, you know, his profile's pretty meh, but like all the points you made are, are valid, right? He's going to play in an offense with a good quarterback. We think the offense ca- has sneaky upside. You know, it's going to be a good offense no matter what, but it could be better than what we expect. So I think there are a lot of things going, you know, right for KJ Osborne. The problem for me is usually when he goes off the board, it's a sweet spot for like these running backs. Like yeah. we just talked about Isaiah Spiller, Ronald Jones, uh, Rashad white. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm usually trying to get one or two of those guys in that range. And it, it depends on how you start your draft, right? If you start, you know, robust running back, you know, three RBs, and then maybe you come back, you know, and grab like a Kareem hunt or a chase Edmonds and round 10, nine or 10, and you're just done. You're just done. Like in those builds, those have been the other ones where I look down. I'm like, okay, I'll throw, I'll throw KJ Osborne, you know, uh, on the team. I, I do struggle though, to like to prioritize him, you know, against some of the other guys. Um, you know, I, you know, it, it, it does speak well for him that he gets to play in the good offense. I'm just, I'm not sold really on how good he is. Uh, but at the same time, the depth chart is pretty weak to your point. It, it's definitely like, you know, when we talk about the one thing we're going to follow for your know, one or two storylines that are the most important for every team, I think, keeping an eye on who Minnesota's slot receiver is going to be, you know, matter or just gets to be the typical third receiver on the field. I think it's most likely KJ Osborne, but I don't think it's a slam dunk yet. I do 100% agree with the idea of taking Daryl Henderson, Isaiah Spiller, even Michael Carter over him. Look, they're all going within eight picks. And yeah, that's it's weird, Dwayne. Like, I, I don't like pretty much the much of the RB three tier going on, but then you get the RB four spots, even guys like <laughs> you get Gus excited. E- yeah. Gus Evers, Jamal Williams. I'm like, okay, I can, I can see this happening. All right. Let's talk a little tight end before we get on out of here. Irv Smith, Ben Elfson, excuse me on that. Johnny Munt and Nick Muse, the big four there. We talked about, you know, Irv Smith quite a bit in the beginning of the podcast going over just the depth chart changes that have happened there and how really it keeps coming up positive for Irv Smith. And, you know, again, F the Cooper Cup role. What about the Tyler Higby role? Ninth most ninth most routes among all tight ends in 2021. Played at least 75% of the offensive snaps in 16 of his 17 non-injured games. 90% or more of the snaps on 13 occasions. True every down player in Irv Smith coming off the foot injury. Full, or excuse me, meniscus surgery. Full participant of Vikings minicamp. Seems to be completely ready to go ahead of training camp. Again, they let Conklin walk. Didn't seem particularly, you know, that, that it was a high dollar amount to go to the Jets, but I didn't hear anything about, you know, the Vikings really being distraught about losing Conklin. And again, the fact that they went through the rest of free agency and the draft without adding meaningful competition, it's exciting, Dwayne. And looking at Smith, who again is just 23 years old, like this is a legit receiving threat. Four, six, three second, 40 yard dash. Like when I look at some of these other guys, like your Pat Fryermus, your Cole Komets, like I'm just not quite as convinced that they can get downfield and will have the opportunities to do so in the same manner as Irv Smith. I understand Higby wasn't really used in that way, but we're not talking about Tyler Higby. We're talking about 23-year-old Irv Smith, who I really think is going to have an every-down role in this offense. And for that reason, we have been 
on record whole offseason that he is the late round tight end to grab. I have him at tight end 10 ahead of Dawson Knox, Pat Fryermuth, and Tyler Higby, among others, because I'm more confident in him being out there on the field. And just I like his overall talent profile a little bit better. So not getting carried away enough to take him ahead of Goddard, Hawkinson. I'd even put uh, Zach Ertz ahead of him. But Dwayne, it just seems like a talented ascending player who's going to have more opportunity than he's ever had before. Yeah, I have him at tight end 14, um, but it is a tier, right? It's it's Fryermuth, Knox, and Irv Smith, and I have, you know, Albert O, you know, one spot ahead of them. So we're really close, and it, he's a priority for me. Like, if I miss on, you know, the top nine receivers, you know, once you get to Ertz, and I don't have any of them, like, my preferred method is to come back and get, like, Irv Smith plus an Albert O. And Irv Smith goes ahead of Albert O in ADP right now. He's picked 114 over on FFPC, 122 for Albert O. If you look at underdog, he's picked 131, and you can get Albert O at pick 146. So it's easy to pair those two players together. If you miss it tight end, you give yourself, you know, two really good profiles. Uh, they both have good quarterbacks. Both are going to be good offenses. Um, so it's just a situation where I have those two paired together like several times um, based on the way that the drafts work out. So yeah, I like Irv Smith. And I think, you know, if we had to put a chip right on who's going to be the second option in this passing game, we know Justin Jefferson is a lock for number one, as long as healthy, right? I think we would say, okay, fine. It's, it's probably Thielen. But if I had to choose the next player on the team, that if it's not Thielen, who is it? I, th I think it's Irv Smith, right? Yeah, and and yeah. with Thielen getting older, I think that is another, you know, and you know, I like to say it's another out, right, for Irv Smith. If all of a sudden Thielen does take a step backward, you know, that's going to be more of an opportunity for Irv Smith to continue to demand more targets. So I, I like everything you said about Smith. He is one of my favorite tight ends to get after the tight end ones are gone. I did slightly misspeak. I do have Dawson Knox uh, ranked ahead of Irv Smith. One of those where even if I did believe otherwise, just a disparity in their ADP yeah. wouldn't really make that the smartest thing to do. So tight he's end. also 24, not 23, but whatever. What? Yeah, he's 24 years old. He'll be 24.1. Oh, yeah. When the season comes around. But as as we talk here on July 6th, he is 23 years of age, Dwayne. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. People only care about when he's going to be how old he'll be when he's playing. Ian. Come I'm on. living in the moment, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> Tight end 11, <laughs> Irv Smith. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> living in the moment, uh, 23 year old Irv Smith. Living for the season, 24 year old. Fine. Fine. All right. Quickly going back through everything we've talked about. Kirk Cousins really in the last tier of quarterbacks that you could, you know, see yourself starting consistently throughout the season. Ideal number two QB in best ball land. Dwayne and I each have him ranked, you know, right around that QB one borderline. Dalvin Cook, someone that honestly, if you wanted to rank him as high as RB2, I wouldn't necessarily call you crazy. Dwayne and I are kind of feeling off more so RB4 to no RB5 spot. Not quite so far in on Alexander Madison, where he's going as a top 40 running back right now due to our doubts that that same sort of handcuff potential might not be there and probably an even larger concern is just the reality that we're not getting any sort of standalone value compared to some of the other running backs going in that range. Justin Jefferson, top two wide receiver with or without the freaking Cooper Cup role. Adam Thielen, someone that seems to be, you know, he is cheaper than ever right now and continues to have that touchdown upside, even though he might not be the same sort of beast on a per route basis. Also, like, don't love KJ Osborne as a later round dart at the position. And of course, we love our guy, Irv Smith, which took us to a conclusion in the first place. Sound about right, Mr. McFarlane. No, that's it. And I think one of the things we love about this offense is it's pretty condensed. Like, I think we know with pretty high degree of confidence where the targets are going to be going. Um, and, you know, you can pair the quarterback if you're drafting. You know, it doesn't work for me when I'm drafting, but I do see everybody else manage to pull it off. Um, dude, it drives me nuts, Ian. Like, I will see, you know, Russell Gage is climbing boards, obviously, for a good reason. Um, so it's tougher to get him and Brady together. But I'll watch people time after time. Usually Russell Gage is the last still the last buck to go off the board. Um, I think he should be going ahead of Chris Godwin at this point and they're getting close, but you'll see people, Russell Gage round six and then round seven, everybody will just let Brady fall, let him fall until he gets back. Like, to the person that took Russell Gage. I've tried to set it up like three drafts in a row. I'm like, okay, fine. Russell Gage, sixth round. I'm going to come back with Brady in the seventh. No. <laughs> and one of them was because I took Gage ahead of Godwin. And so the 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 uh, player at the turn, you know, at the one, you know, they drafted from the one hole, they get there and like, oh, Chris Godwin and Tom Brady. I'll just pair those two together. <laughs> so I'm like, damn it. I have plenty of Russ Gage, Tom Brady stacks, but I, I need more in my life. 
I want to just one time, I mean, we draft enough, uh, you know, with each other kind of on some of these streams, but one time, maybe, you know, we just happen to pull up the app at the same time, get on in there, compete as, you know, maybe not friends for a change. Maybe I'll be the one you're cursing out, not on a stream with at the time. I don't know. Crazier things have happened, but everyone can find all your thoughts on PFF.com. I believe you have republished quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end rankings alike this week. Good time. Sounds Uh, like a good time. Yeah, quarterbacks are up, running backs will be up tomorrow, then receivers, then tight ends. So one every day. Great day to be great. As always, at Dwayne McFarlane on Twitter. You can catch me at iHeartest. Team previews continuing to go. Finish up the Bears before this. 31 down, one more to go. And then, you know, I'm not taking a vacation. Just did that. But, hey, we'll be on to other stuff, Dwayne. Bigger and better things, as always. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you for tuning into another edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care. Everybody.